Okay, in Shmuel, we're holding in Perakir Tess, Pasakres. Now, we're going to first learn just a second to follow the storyline. There are two uh, obvious questions which are going to present themselves, and obviously we need to address. But first, let's finish uh, the Pesukim and understand the, what happened, and then as Hashem afterwards, we'll go back and try and understand uh, you know, the, the practical details. So we had just gotten to the stage where David had been returned to the palace. Shmuel, I mean, Shal had promised Yenison that he wasn't going to do anything to harm him. And now the story continues. There was a, another battle between David and the Pishtim. David went out to lead the war against the Pishtim. He's very successful. He inflicted a, a heavy blow on the Pishtim. And they ran away from him. And obviously that just added to David's prestige. or uh, it's another sign of David's success. And then, as always, when every, every success David has, has a negative reaction on Shaul. And therefore, the spirits of, of sadness, of melancholy, of evil, came back to Shaul. Ruch Hashem. So it was a, in others we saw previously, it was a Ruch from Hashem to, to which uh, affected Shaul. Yeah. Uh, and the result was, once again, you can see David as an enemy. And Yashid, was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand, with David and David was playing the harp as he had done previously to try and revive Shaul's spirits, to try and get him out of his negative frame of mind. And just like the previous time, Shaul tries again to use a spear to impale David to the wall. He isn't successful, so David leaves Shaul. He runs away from him, and uh, so Shaul drives the spear into the wall, obviously David having avoided it. But David knows, David runs away, by David now sees that Shaul's promises also don't amount to much, and even though he had originally promised Jonas that he wouldn't harm David, when the, the spirit of, of Ra overcame him, so he was, once again, he tried to kill David, and David escapes. He runs to his home, but this time Shaul isn't uh, satisfied just to have tried to kill David and been unsuccessful, he wants to follow up on it. And therefore, David sends Shaul's messengers to David's home to guide him at the night. And the intention was that if they're going to keep him, so to speak, under observation, then it will be in order to kill him in the morning. And David Shaul's daughter, David's wife, tells him, and she says, You're being guarded, you're being. You know, you're being kept, and, so to speak, hostage to be killed tomorrow, and therefore if you don't going to escape tomorrow, tomorrow you're going to be killed. So obviously Michal, as David's wife, assigns uh, him against the father, and therefore she reveals to him the plan and uh, the danger that he's in, and warns him to run, to avoid uh, being captured. So what is the what happens? Obviously the the door was guarded, so Michal let David out the window. 
and he went and he ran away and he escaped. Obviously, you have to explain what the three different languages are. We have to say he escaped. What does it mean? He walked, he went, and then he ran, and then he escaped. But that was the first step. And now, even though David has now had escaped, the Michal decided she's going to try and uh, confuse uh, the guards who are meant to be watching him more. So it says, Vatikal Michal Satrofim, Vatasim and Amitza. Michal took Trofim and she put them in the bed. Trofim in the form of a person. Now, what this Trofim are and why they happen to be in David's house is an obvious question. We have to speak about that. Uh, the Mephosh really asked, like, what David Amalek wasn't Chasachar worshipping of Erezara. And like, the Radak says, that we'd have a Havim in And in David's home, there'd be a Erezara. So, what this Trofim were and what they were doing and in the house when Be'ez should mean to talk about is one of the questions we'll try to address afterwards. But in the meantime, the Trofim are the form of a person. And that by putting them in the bed and covering them, uh, it would look like someone was sleeping in the bed. And then she had something which had the goat hair, uh, uh, as it was either a water flask, whatever it was, which had goat hair, and she used that to put on the top of it, which would look like, again, a person's head with hair in it. So she puts it on the top of, this, uh, on the, top of the blanket, uh, and then to the onlooker through the window, whoever it would have been, it would have looked like somebody was sleeping there. So even though David had escaped, Michal wanted no one to assume that he wasn't there, and therefore she put this, uh, some, this, this representation, so she a person in the bed, that that would confuse someone to think David was sleeping. And what happens? So in the morning, Michal sends the messengers to bring David to the palace. She says, you can't come, you're sick. But, so the messengers go back to Michal. Michal says, you're sick, you can't come. So Shaul sends the messages back to David this time to see where he's really there, to see him, to see if he's really sick. And then the instruction, If he's too sick to walk, okay, so bring him in his bed. It doesn't make a difference. Shaul's determined this time he's going to kill David. So what happens? And they find it wasn't David in the bed, it was just this, this trophy which has a human shape in the meter. And the temple was just a flask with goat's head, it wasn't a person. So David's not there. So obviously, Shaul says to Michal, Why did you deceive me? Why did you deceive me? You let my enemy escape. In other words, he understood that obviously Michal had been involved in, uh, in helping David escape. But tell me, Michal and Shaul. And Shlomich wants to defend herself, so she says to her father, she said, He said to me, David said to me, Shalcheni, let me escape. Lama Misah, otherwise, why should I kill you? Um, now, which means Michal's claims to show that David threatened me, and, uh, and that's why I had no choice. Now, the obvious question is, it wasn't true. It's the other way around. Uh, Michal had been the one to suggest to David that he should escape. And not only that, even had, uh, had her storyline been true, there would be no reason for her to continue the deception, put the trophy in the bed, and uh, so to speak, fool the gods. Once David's not there to threaten him, then she could run straight and tell him that David escaped. So it wasn't just a lie, it was a very bad lie. It doesn't make sense in the, in the, in the story. And uh, if that's the case, the next question we need to ask is, why did Michal do that? Why did Michal do that? Uh, just like Yonason, 
didn't hide the fact that he held David was right and he was a friend. And Michal, who was his wife, she should have, uh, so to speak, stood up for her husband, not incriminated him more by her father saying he was trying to kill him. And Chazal took it a step further. Michal came with a complaint and said, you married me to this man and he's a dangerous person. Yeah, he wanted to kill me. So like, why did you endanger me, so to speak? And once again, it was all not true. So why, would, why wouldn't Michal stick to the truth? Why did she have to make up the story? Um, okay. But it, it doesn't make sense to another plane of as well. Like, if Michal hadn't told him, he wouldn't have known. Sure. So obviously, that wasn't the truth. Yeah. She wasn't written by David. She was trying to save David. But the question is, why wouldn't she be honest to her father? So when he asked her, why did you do this? Rather than saying, you know, it's, uh, I think he was right, I was trying to help him, or it was why she died, like the innocence has him. She concocted a story that clearly he threatened her. And like I said, the story doesn't fit with what she did. It doesn't make sense. Uh, why would she would try her best to uh, present an alibi and, and fool the guys thinking he's there if in fact he'd been threatened, she'd been threatened. So that's the second point you need to come back to explain. What's the Trophim doing over here? And why would Michal make up the story? In the meantime, let's just finish the, the, the sequence of events first, and then she'll come back afterwards and explain. But David Barak, David Rans, where does he go to? So this is the last one posted before. It said, He ran and he escaped. So now we're going back to the story of David. But David Barak, David runs away, he escapes. He comes to Shmuel. And he tells Shmuel everything Shmuel did. Now, there's two reasons why David went to Shmuel. The first one was Shmuel was a Novi. And Shmuel was the one who appointed David as a king. So he came back to him and said, look, since, ever since then, I've been, Shaul's been threatening me. But the second point is, Shmuel was probably the only person that Shaul was still afraid of. Because Shmuel, Shaul was still afraid of. Because Shmuel was a Novi who had appointed Shaul as a king as well. And therefore, if there be anybody who could afford protection to David, it would be Shmuel. So, Shmuel, so David comes to Shmuel. Ramas is where Shmuel lives. Remember, Shmuel at this stage is already old. He's no longer able to travel. And uh, David tells him everything which happens to him. And he and Shmuel go. Um, they went to the stayed in Noyes. Now, what does that mean? Why does Shmuel have to go anywhere when he was already in his hometown of Ramah? And uh, why would he move somewhere else to David? If he wanted to protect David, he could have just held him in his house. And that's why Chazal understands that uh, Noyes wasn't a city. Uh, Noyes means the base major. They went to run together. And, uh, and that's why the Targum also says over here that, uh, that he went with the, the Yisivu, they went the base opener to base major to sit on him. Now, what were they doing? What were they learning about in the base Medrash? This is also very, very fascinating. Uh, the Gemara is Darish on this pasuk that and that they were holding, they were learning the sugya of the binyan of the base Medrash. And the word benayas is the word binyan. The, 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 how to build the base Medrash. So why would that be the appropriate sugya to learn right now is a good question. We'll talk about that. But uh, Shmuel said he being threatened by Shal come. Let's learn about the Basin Mikdash. They went to learn together how to be born in the Basin Mikdash. How the Basin is meant to be built and how it's meant to look and where it's meant to be. And that we talk and say that Shmuel and David were the ones who decided exactly the place in Yerushalayim which was going to be the Makam Mikdash. 
But as we know, it's not referring to the person. Exactly where the Makam is. And Shmuel uh, David, that is the Sugi that went to learn. Exactly where the message is meant to be. And like we said, it needs explanation. We'll get back to that. Why it was Dafka now, when David comes for protection, that, 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 that that's what the Sugi that decided to learn. And that's what it wasn't in Jewish control, that's true. Okay. So now, Shaul, obviously, he wants to know where David is. So he sends out his uh, secret service or his uh, police force service to find him. And it wasn't hard to find because David wasn't hiding. And therefore, you got the Shaul anymore. He knew David, but not his Rama. David's still learning with Shmuel in Rama. Okay. Shaul hasn't given up. Now, we're going to read again the end of the story. And here again, there's a very... Obvious question which presents itself in the you know, what Navi tells us, which we'll have to address. So Shaul sends a group of his messengers to bring David back. What happens? What happens is the messenger where they see that Shmuel had a Talmudim who were learning how to become Nevi'im, and Shmuel was the one who was training them, so to speak, in the So they, the first group of, of messengers come. And they see the whole congregation of the Talmudim who are working on becoming the Vim, with Shmuel Omid Nitzavadan, Shmuel standing among them, above them, so to speak, training them how to become the Vim. And what happens as a result, and they get affected by the spirit of the world that there is, and immediately they stop to work on becoming the Vim too. So they don't go back home again. That's what happens. They give the Shal. So he sends a second group. something happens to them as well. And Shal sends a third group, and they also get affected by the spirit of Nevo that there is around Shmuel, and they stay to try and work on becoming a Novi. And so even though these were all soldiers or guards who were loyal to Shal, and that's why he sent them, but when they met Shmuel, they were overtaken by this power of this spiritual experience that there was around Shmuel and then they stay with him. Okay. So Shaul sees he's not going to be successful to send guards to 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 capture David. So he decides himself to go himself. And therefore it says Shaul himself goes to the Ramah. Now it's not clear what exactly he was going to do because once Shmuel was there it was unlikely he would try and Attacked over in front of Shmuel, but he himself goes to Rama. And what happens? He comes to the Bar Gadol, the deep pit, which is a place called Seichu. Again, we have to assume what's the significance of that right now. And then he asks, Where is Shmuel and David? And he said, Who's the Oymer? Doesn't tell us. Now he doesn't say who was one who responded to him. And what is, what is the, what's the significance of telling us where he went on the way? He knew where the soldiers went, so he should have gone the same route. So he said, what's the Kiddush of this Pasuk? Either way, and the Yerich Sham, El Nayas Barama. So Shal also goes to Nayas Barama. And what happens? And he's also overcome by the spirit of Nebuah. And he goes... As he's on his way to where Shmuel is, so he also gets to the spirit of Nevoah and Boyabanes Barama until he comes to Nois. And now a strange thing happens. 
Um, so this, we can read the pasuk uh, with the simple pshat. We can read the pasuk the way the, the son of the question trying to explain it. But either way around, it needs an explanation. So it says, "Vayifshat kamur b'gadol." He took his clothing, but he's not being kamur in Shmuel, and he also attached himself to the nevuah of Shmuel. Vayifal aram karayamu v'karayda, and then he fell undressed the whole day and the whole night. This is the second time that that quote uh, has been used. The first time was when Shal became a king and he met, and he, he met the group of Nevi'im, so then it affected him too. And even though no one considered him a Navi, and they saw him acting like a Navi, so it was an expression of bewilderment, of surprise. Shal also a Navi, and here it happens the second time. This time when he comes to Shmuel, and uh, once again Shal wasn't in the dark of a Navi, and nevertheless um, he attaches himself to that level of Nevoah and and he made he acts in a way similar to Nevi'im and that's why again it brought back that same question mark why is Shaul acting like a Navi? Now, we explain the Pasuk literally then some of the Farshim try to explain it not literally but figuratively and therefore when it says he took off his clothing it means he changed from the royal clothing into regular clothing and then he wasn't act- in other words, in the presence of Nevoah he didn't um, he didn't feel like a king. What's going on? What's the... What's the... The the, 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 the Novi trying to teach us in this prayer? So, the first thing is, what was Shaul's, Shmuel's way of protecting David? What is Shmuel, sorry? So, he was learning with him. But Shmuel also understood that if Shaul's bent on trying to attack David, so he's going to, and he did, send one group of the soldiers after the next to try and attack, uh, trying to capture David, and then he comes himself. What was the, what, so what was Shmuel's approach to that? And the answer is, and this is the kayak which Shmuel had, which we spoke about previously, and that is, we saw at the very beginning of the Sefer, that it says that until Shmuel came, that Varashem was Yaakar Bayam And that is, Shmuel was really the, the person who opened the gates of Nebuah. And after him, then we have a stream of Nevi'im, which goes into the whole time until the end of the period of Nebuah, which is about 900 years, 800 years later, at the building of the second base of Megdash. So Shmuel's Kayak was to bring down that certain feeling of the connection to Nebuah. And that's how we see there were these groups of people who were trying to train to learn how to become Nevi'im. They attached themselves to Shmuel because through him you could bring down the spirit of Rafa Kodesh in them as well. But like we saw, we went to the Rambam. That to become a Novi needs a lot of spiritual preparation. And uh, if a person hasn't done the necessary work and hasn't grown the correct amount, so then he's not going to he's not going to be able to connect to that level of spirituality which is necessary for a Novi to connect to. And if that's the case, we understand that maybe the groups of Talmudim who attach themselves to Shmuel and followed his instruction and worked and developing themselves to the stage where there would be merit to deserve the work, we can understand that. But if we're talking about uh, random groups of soldiers who came on a mission to capture David, so how, does it, how could it be that when they met Shmuel or his followers, so they also got attracted to Nebuah? They, were, they weren't necessarily right for it. They weren't necessarily right for it. So the answer is, and that's the you say over here. And we see this by other times the Navi as well, and that is, even when a person wasn't on the level to be a Navi, but when he was in the presence of somebody who got Nebuah, so then the people around also felt a tremendous fear of the, the fact that the Shekhinah was here. 
So, for example, when it talks about Daniel, it says he's walking with his friends, and it says that um, Daniel was a Navi, his three friends, Khanani, Mishal, Vazariah, weren't with him. And therefore, even though he could see uh, in the world they couldn't, but nevertheless, the Apostle describes the tremendous fear which overcame them. And the Gemara even asks, if they weren't Navim, so how were they so afraid? Well, well, they weren't, they couldn't see, they weren't, they weren't being spoken to. What are they so afraid of? And the Gemara says, it's true, that they weren't being Navim, but the Lashon of the Gemara is Mazlai al-Khazi, which means they sensed the, the presence of the Shekhinah, or sense which overawed them. And it's the same thing by Yabba Shmuel. And that is, there was an aura of the around the Shmuel was to the level that anybody who came into it was overcome by it. Was overcome by it and, and therefore felt uh, that they had, had they had to subjugate themselves, so to speak. They uh, battled themselves to the power of the Vuh. And therefore even the soldiers of Shaul, who weren't necessarily in the level of the Vuh, but when they came in the presence of the Vuh, so then it, it was it overpowered them too. And that's what happens to Shaul himself. That's what happens to Shaul himself. When Shaul comes, that's the same thing by him too. There's the power of the Vuh which is above what he's able to receive. And therefore, like it says, He falls, he's unable to move for a day and a night because of the power of the Nebu. How come he didn't have to ask him when he was with Eliyahu? He didn't get any uh, uplifting. When? When he, when he, when he was with Eliyahu in Abi. Um, well, when Eliyahu was coming to give him a message, it wasn't the time when the Yahweh was, was busy communicating with Hashem. It was when the Navi is experiencing the Buddha that it has that, that, that uh, power. Okay, so, that, so now, what the Navi points out is that even though Shaul wasn't worthy of it, and in fact, it wasn't in a way what happened to him, wasn't something which necessarily was a cover for him, but nevertheless, that same Koyach, which there was of the Buddha, overpowered him. And if that's the case, he, he fell helpless on the floor. He, he couldn't do anything because uh, in the presence of the power of the book, so he also had that uh, he also had that uh, overwhelming specific fear of the Shekhinah which was there. What's interesting is it didn't affect David. David was always in the level where he was right, and therefore he could sit in the of the Shmuel. You don't find that he was affected in the same way as everybody else was. Okay, so that's the first point. And therefore, in Shmuel's presence, pretty much, uh, David was safe. There was a, there was a or of Kedusha there, which power, which overpowered ever came there, and the matter there were no one was able to do anything to David. Okay, so that's the that's the first part, and therefore that's that David gets saved. David gets saved because being in the place where he is, so so to speak, he's protected. He's protected by the Kedusha of, of Shmuel. Now what's interesting is Shmuel doesn't say anything to Shmuel. You think you'd say something to him? Nothing. It's a king. Yeah, Shaul comes. Shaul gets overpowered. He spends his day night on the floor, unable to move. But you don't see Shmuel addresses him at all. And we saw a reason for that before. We saw at the end of the story of Amalek, when Shaul failed to do Vayashem. So on the one hand, Shmuel was broken, that, and he cried the whole night, like we saw that Shaul, who was his prodigy, so to speak, with these Malchus. But after that, Shmuel don't want to speak to him again. Once he decided that Shaul had done the wrong thing and had uh, let down the trust that she had in him, so Shaul doesn't want to talk to him again, and he doesn't. We don't find Shaul talking to him again after that. It's the same thing over here. Even though he comes to Shaul, Shaul doesn't 
ignores him. He's, he's part of bringing down the book, at, and uh, we don't find Shmuel talks to him, discusses with him, even warns him about hurting David, nothing. Shmuel doesn't have anything to do with him. Okay, so that's the uh, that's the Yisrael. The David was basically was, was was one of those stages where he was nearly killed, and he was protected by the fact that he was the Shmuel and Robert. Now let's go back to one or two of the questions we had before. Time for everything tonight, but one question we'll talk about tonight, and tomorrow we'll go back to the other questions. So we'll leave the question of the Trophim and Michal, which is going on, it's a discussion in its own right. Let's just talk about a little bit over here um, the story of the fact that uh, why this was the right time to discuss the building of the rest of English. Then, uh, because that's not exactly what David wanted to learn. David came because he was being killed, which has to be killed right now. Was now the time to discuss um, where the best initial is going to be, exactly how it's going to be built. Now we find a very similar thing, and it's very interesting. We find a very similar thing in Mordechai. In Mordechai, the night before that, uh, Haman wanted to kill him. And when there was the third day of the three day fast, because they thought they were going to be annihilated, so we see Mordechai is learning the best Medrash with his Talmudin. And when Haman comes on the king's instruction to Bring Mordechai to ride in the horses, you know. So he asked the Gemara, he asked the Talmudim, what's the Gemara learning? It's the Gemara together, right? So they say, is it learning about the Kabbalah? Okay. And now the question is, it's very good that they're learning Torah, but why are we talking about Kabbalah? They should have learned maybe the dinner of Kiddush Hashem Shemayim, or the dinner of being of being most nefesh of Kiddush Hashem. Most of English was a wasn't around at the time, and wasn't. But that wasn't what the Jewish people were thinking about. They were thinking about um, surviving home and they're all going to get annihilated by the decree. Not what's going to be in the future about building the Besam Mikdash. And it's very similar to here. David now wasn't thinking about building the Besam Mikdash. David was scared he was going to get killed. And David came to show for protection from getting killed. And we see from both of these stories a Yisrael which you have to explain. But the Yisrael is that when a person feels that they're in danger, they should learn about the Besam Mikdash. So what was practical at the time David was going to build the Vesem Mikdash, what was practical at the time of Mordechai was, this should be the time you bring the Karban over. And why is it that learning about the Karbanus is the right thing to do when a person feels they're being threatened? So this goes back to um, something we learned from Avraham Avinu. We're saying that from Avraham Avinu. When Avraham Avinu asks Hashem, how do I know my children will inherit their Israel? I don't know that they won't do things along the way which will make them lose the privilege. And the risk went up, sorry. So Hashem tells him, Bring me all the animals that will bring us carbonus. And the Gemara says, Hashem's answer to Ramavina is this close. The Kaisha will have is the carbonus. And now the Gemara continues. And the Gemara says, Abraham says to Hashem, Hashem, it's all very good for when there's a base of Egdash and they're able to bring carbonus. But when they don't have a base of Egdash, and they can't bring carbonus, then what's the guarantee they're going to get saved? And on that, the Medrash answers, Hashem's response to him was, we don't have the carbonus to bring, and he's learning about the carbonus. Because learning about the carbonus has the same kayak as bringing a carbon. And if that's the case, so now we see Hashem's instruction to Avram. At a time with Klai Yisrael, it's a question mark, so to speak, are they going to get saved? So then what Hashem tells Avram Avinu is, Either they're supposed to the Karbanas, or at the least they're supposed to learning about the Karbanas, that's what's going to save them. 
That's exactly what Mordechai and Shmuel carried out to Mesa. If a person feels they're being threatened, now it's time to learn about the Korbanos. And the question is just why? Why does the, the limit of the Korbanos have that ability to, so to speak, to save a person at a stage when uh, they feel threatened? And the answer is the set of Korbanos, and that is the Korbanos' ability, so to speak, to, uh, to bring Ritzi. Ritzi is even if a person is actually punished, it can cause Sakhalash Brock to look at him again uh, with, with goodwill, so to speak, in a way which is uh, not with Miras Adin, it's a way with what Hashem looks at him with compassion. And if that's the Korbanos that the Korbanos have, so then learning about the Korban has that same Korban. And therefore, when a person feels he's being threatened, a person feels that Chas Hashem shouldn't deserve punishment, so then the way to Meratzeh Hashem is to appease Hashem, just like had the best Midrash been there, when we bring a carbon, so we're going to do the same thing by learning about the carbonus. And therefore, what Shmuel told David is if you feel you're in danger because you're being threatened, so then the answer is learning about the carbonus. Not so much about the building. So here they didn't yet have a base, it wasn't yet after the stage of carbonus. The first they learned about when to pull the base of Mikdash in order to be able to be the carbonus later. But they had the same kayak of, of um, something which would replace a carbon and it could be a source for that. That's the one point. The other point is Shmuel was a Nabi. And Shmuel knew that David was going to be the one to prepare the base of Mikdash. Now, this is Shmuel's last time he meets David. He never sees David again after this. And therefore, for David's point of view, either he came running for his life because he's looking for protection, and so Shmuel convinced him to learn about the Karbanas, but from Shmuel's point of view, he also understands this is my opportunity to tell David what to do. Because he's going to one day be responsible. Shmuel sees the Nabi. He sees beyond just the present situation where he's being threatened by Shaul. But he sees one day he's going to be the one to plan for the building of Mesa Mikdash. And if that's the case, now's an opportunity to teach him where it's going to be and how it's going to be built. So that later on in the future, even though David doesn't see that at all, David right now doesn't know if he's going to see tomorrow. He thinks he's going to die. But Shmuel is a Navi, and Shmuel does see the future. And then Shmuel understands this is the time to teach him the Korbanus because he's going to need that. He's going to need it in the future, and then he'll already have the information there.